0: Well, welcome to our tenth and final week of our series. Wake up! Now, now we've been anybody besides my wife, anybody uh, that's been here. Do you know the scripture that we've been our main scripture where it's found that we've been taking this series from? Ephesians what? Five what? Five fourteen. You, man, y'all are so close. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to say it? Y'all, y'all want me to put the words up there for you? <laughs> so, yeah, we know it, but uh, put them up there for us. Here we go. Let's say it. Wake up. You speaker, the dead, will shine on you. Let's Say it again. Wake you up. You speaker, the dead, will shine on you. Amen, amen. Hey, uh, wake up, because I believe we as a church have been asleep way too long. I believe COVID has given us an excuse to be lazy in our faith. And it, I don't... Let, let me go ahead and put up, I don't expect a whole lot of amens or shouting during this message so your quietness will not affect me at all. I, I'm going to preach and, and, and let the cards lay lie where they may. Um, but uh, I was telling somebody, this ran into somebody uh, yesterday at Lowe's and, hey, man, how you doing? I've been missing you. Yeah, man, my wife, she just scared to death of this this virus that's going around, this thing that's going around. And I said, you know what, man? I said, they tell us about everybody that's dying, everybody's sick. But why, why don't we hear, hey, there's a 99.9% survival rate. I'll take those odds any day. In fact, give me a 70%. I'll take those. I've been skydiving. Give me a 50-50 shot. I'm good. I'll go. And so I, I, a lot of times I think, now, I'm not saying this is for everybody because I know we do have people that real issues that, that need to take every, every um, precaution, thank you, babe, out there. But for a lot of people, man, we've gone lazy in our faith, and we've been doing a whole lot of napping spiritually. And so if you didn't enjoy that, you're really not going to enjoy the rest of this message. Hey, uh, quick question. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen, if you're visiting us and, and you, you're not sure about this stuff or church, listen, welcome. Welcome, man. We we love to have you here. But I, this question is for those that call themselves followers of Jesus, Christians. How many would say Kelly and participation is required? Because if you don't raise your hand, I'm just going to think that you're, you're not. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to think. Anyway, <laughs> it's not going to be good. I'll tell you that. Uh, I, I want to look like Jesus. Now, hold on. I'm not talking about physical features. I'm talking about his characteristics, his integrity, his compassion, the way he loves people, sees people. I'm mean, going to say, Kelly, I want to look like Jesus. Come on, if you're following. Here's the truth. If you're a Christian, keep them up. Your hand should be raised because Christian does mean Christ like. So that should be our ultimate goal. All right. Thank you, guys. Now we'll come back to that. Now we're going to transition, and I have no. Really good transition, so we're just going to jump there. Um, how many of you have got a f- favorite fast food restaurant? Now, don't, don't holler me out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name some. You tell me if this is your go-to. Uh, you're, how about uh, McDonald's? <laughs> see, hey, y'all are lying. I see y'all pulling. Uh, the only reason I go to McDonald's is because the only place in Decatur. It's the only place in... Listen, they sell a billion hamburgers down there a week just in 10, down in the alone. Uh, what about uh, Hardee's? Listen, they, they've got the best breakfast when it comes to fast food. Taco Bell. Oh, we got a few Taco Bellies. Uh, Wendy's. Got a few Wendy's. Uh, here we go, uh, uh, Bo. Burger King. Come on, come on. I want the original chicken sandwich, though. I don't care if it's fake chicken. I like the way it tastes. Give me that original chicken something sandwich. Uh, now, here's one of my favorites, but we don't have them here. They did just get one open uh, over in Nashville, but every time I go to Florida, I stop. Whataburger. Oh, man. You talk- if you've never had a Whataburger, oh, it's like heaven. It is, I'm just telling you. Uh, Subway, any, anyone, anybody want to act like they're eating healthy when they eat fast food? Now, this is my all-time favorite, I'm about to tell you. It was a tradition whenever we'd go up to Gatlinburg or to Pigeon Forge or Dollywood with my mom and dad. When we left there, we went through their drive-through. Me and Zion continue this tradition. We go to a Tennessee football game. On our way back, we go through this driveway, crystals. Come on. Listen, hey, 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 let me help you out. You backed up a little, a little constipated. You don't need medicine. A good crystal burger clean you right out, and it tastes good going down. I love me a crystal. Now, one more. What about Chick-fil-A? course, that's God's favorite too. Come on, y'all know that. Um, Here's the truth. I used to not care about Chick-fil-A. It it wasn't my choice, but my wife and kids love Chick-fil-A. So as a husband, you'll know this, when your wife and kids like a fast food restaurant more than others, that's usually the one you go to just to save peace. Uh, and, And so after a while, I got to where I enjoyed it. My go-to is the spicy chicken on a wheat bun. I love that, and I want the deluxe with, uh, with the tomatoes, onions, and all that on it. I love that. I love spicy food. But do you know one thing that impressed me more than their food? Their service. Their service. I'm taught talk- with a smile every time. They have created such a culture in, in Chick-fil-A, whether they're taking your order, refilling a drink, getting garbage off your uh, table or whatever, it's always, can I help you? Can I, with, with a smile. Chick-fil-A has become known for their service, right? Here's a question, why isn't the church? Why isn't the church? Because it seems the church has become known more for what we're against and what we're for. And so that brings us to this week-ending series, our wake-up call 10th and final one. But wake up to serving. Wake up to serving. We're going to be at a couple different places. We're going to be in Mark 10 and John 13. Uh, if you want to turn with me to Mark 10, that's where we're going to start. If not, I'm going to Bring the words up on the screen, but this is an interesting story because James and John, the sons of thunder, uh, two of Jesus' disciples, they're getting ready to approach Jesus with a big favor, a big ask. In fact, that's what I started to title the, the message. But when I told my wife, she said, "What'd you say?" And a little humor there. Uh, the big ask, Jacob. Sk, sk. There's a K there, so. Um, so (laughs) you get it now. So, yeah, some of us, that's real blonde. There he is, Matt. Uh, let's go on. So, but, and they're getting ready for this huge favor they're going to ask Jesus from. That's where we're going to pick up the story, verse 35 of Mark 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we, I love the way they ask. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Come on, have you ever had your kid come to you? They're asking a question. Hey, listen, I'm about, I just need you to tell me you're going to say yes before I tell you what it is. This, come on, come on, tell. It, no, it's nothing bad. It's nothing bad. It's nothing illegal. But I just need this is what they're coming. Jesus, before before we tell you what we want, we just want to know you're going to give us what we ask. And so Jesus responds to them. What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? They reply, Let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand on your at your throne. That is a big ask because those are both positions of honor. In fact, the New Living Translation says it like this. When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. See, see, seating position in this culture matters. It mattered. Uh, Jesus even talks about this in Luke, 4, or, yeah, Luke 14 when he said, listen, if you get invited to a banquet, you get invited to a party, don't come in and assume your spot is up there toward the head of the table because what will happen is you'll come in, sit up there toward the head, and, and the master, or the one that's throwing the party, is going to come in and say, hey, hey, somebody else more important than you. I need you to take a seat on down there. And how embarrassing is that? Come on, anybody remember when growing up uh, at Thanksgiving and they got the dinner, families there. You come and sit at the table, and they say, "Oh, no, no, we need you to sit at the kiddie table." Yeah, and so you sit at the kiddie table because you're the you're the lowest of the low in that society realm. And then you've got the adults; you've got dad sits at the head of the table, right? And, and so there's even in that there's a hierarchy. I mean, you've got, and so you're sitting there, and then as a child, you're like, will I ever get to sit at the adult table? One day it happens. You're sitting there, and mom, hey, would you join us at our table? And then you get up from that table, and as you walk away, you look back. <laughs> Who's going to the big table now? And it's, here's the thing. You don't care that they don't get invited. All you care is that you're sitting at the king table. And that's where James and John were. They're like, I don't care if the rest of the disciples get left at the kitty table. I just want to make sure we get a table with Jesus. I I, I want that seat of honor. And, and understand, these two brothers, man, they had grown close to Jesus. They spent a lot of time with him, saw him go through things. And, and they were thinking when Jesus talks about kingdom on earth, or kingdom, they're thinking it's on earth. That's how the disciples viewed Jesus as the Messiah, that he was going to set up his kingdom here. He was going to destroy Rome, take down the Roman Empire, and then uh, reestablish uh, the children of God and, and their dignity. And so they asked Jesus, hey, when you sit on your throne here on earth, let one of us sit on the right and one of us on the left. And so Jesus answers them. But how we know Jesus has, Jesus is one of those? He answers a question with a question. Here's what he says. You don't have a clue what you're asking for. And here are the questions. Are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to endure the baptism and the death that I'm about to experience? And their answer lets us know they don't have a clue as to what Jesus is talking about because they say, yes, we're able. Yeah, Jesus wouldn't suffer with you. Yeah, Jesus, we, we can go through whatever you're about to go through. And Jesus says, oh, you certainly will drink from the cup of my suffering. And you certainly will be immersed into my death. You need to understand that James was the first of the 12 apostles that was a martyr. He was beheaded for the gospel. Now, John died of natural causes at a very old age, but endured so much suffering throughout his life. And so Jesus you will. You will know the suffering. And Jesus goes on to tell them in verse 40, he says, Guys, guys, what you're asking, it's not mine to give. Only the Father can decide who sits at my right and and my left. And, And keep in mind, they're asking this behind the disciples' back, the other disciples' back. They didn't do it in a group setting. They got Jesus off to himself to ask this because they're trying to work out some sort of deal with Jesus. Make no mistake about it, James and John, were. this was a power play. Hey, we're going to be beside Jesus. We're going to say, well, then the other disciples get word of it. And, and so it says that they began to got, they got angry and began to criticize James and John. How dare you go to the master? How dare you go to the Jesus? Do you know why they were angry and upset at James and John? Cause they didn't think of it first. Because all of them were running through. They, it was all, see, Jesus knew this. He, he saw this display throughout his entire ministry. These guys were constantly arguing, who's the greatest among us? Who's the greatest? And get this, not once did he ever nominate another disciple. It's all, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. And Jesus sees this struggle for power. And, and it's going on among his closest friends and his disciples, and he decides This is a very teachable moment. And I want to read the rest of this and the passions paraphrasing of it. Verse 42. So Jesus gathered them all together and said, those recognized as rulers of the people and those who are in top leadership positions rule oppressively over their subjects, but this is not the example you are to follow. I want you to say out loud this next line, this next part that's underlined. Say say the, the underlined part out loud with me. You are to, I know what you've seen. You're used to seeing kings or those in higher positions. They're the ones that get served. They're the ones that get all that. But you are, but we need more people. 2080. Football as 22 men on the field who desperately need rest while 50,000 people in the stands who desperately need exercise watch. Dr. Hendricks said, I thought to myself, what a definition of the church. A few compulsively active people run around the field while the mass of the people rest in the stands doing nothing. Told you it wasn't going to be a whole lot of amen. But if I'm being honest, when I talk to her staff and I talk to her volunteers, that's what it is. That's what it is. We've got volunteers that serve in four or five. In fact, I have to tell them, listen, I can't allow you to serve in another area. I don't want you to burn out. See, as we approach the end of 2020 and go into 2021, my goal for this church, my goal for this body is for us to t- 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 to get a reality and say, I want to look like Jesus. I want to serve like Jesus. And we're not that twenty eighty. 80 In fact, we're the opposite. We've got 80% of the people in here that are just dying. Where can I serve? Where can I get involved? Because I believe that's what God's intention was for the church, not for 20 20- Let That are clapping or part of the 20%. So if your neighbor wasn't clapping, I'm just, um, here's the thing, guys. If we, the church, we're the church. If we, the church, if we're not willing to serve like Jesus, if we're not willing to take our example from where we get our name from and serve, what are we doing here? This is just some social uh, experiment we're doing on Sunday mornings. I want to look like Jesus in every facet of my life. Uh, let, let's real quick because I, I, I don't want to keep you here long because we've got a volunteer Thanksgiving dinner uh, tonight that those that volunteer are going to eat and we're all going to give them $10,000 each before they leave. So don't you wish you had been serving before then? Part of that's a lie. Uh, John 13, Jesus shows us another model. What it is to be one of his followers. Starting with verse one. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world, go to the Father, having loved his own, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. Jesus, knowing it was his time to die, he those that were with him, he loved them before they knew him. He loved them in the middle, and he's loving them at the end. Man, that's just a picture of Jesus. Right there. He knew he had come to his place to die. He knew it was his last place on earth. He knew it was his last chance to pour into these 12 men. And, and you'll find out later on when you read this whole passage, he also knew Peter was going to deny him. I mean, Jesus knew. He also knew Judas had already set out to betray him. He knew. Jesus went into a lot of detail. I mean, he knew exactly where he wanted to have this meal. You read the story in other Gospels, he talks about sending some disciples to a certain place to run into certain people that had a certain house with a certain room, and that's where he wanted to have the meal. Jesus went into great detail to set up this final meeting with his men. And this is what it says, verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. The evening meal was in progress. Food was there. The wine was there. The guests were there. There was one problem nobody could eat until something happened. You recline, nasty feet in your face. Let's be honest. And so the, the, the feet washer's job. You gotta understand there was this hierarchy or a social scale that they would go by, and it was very clear who was at the top of that social scale and who was at the very bottom of it. The job, the duty was reserved for the lowest class person. For those that didn't have servants in their house, that position will be served by one of the kids. Usually the youngest. There's hierarchy. And here they are, Jesus and his disciples sitting at this table. They look around. There's no children to wash the feet. They look around. There's no servants. So they automatically think. They start evaluating each other. Who's the lowest? You know Peter's saying it. James. It's James. Especially after him and John went to Jesus behind their backs. He's the lowest. Get up and wash the feet. But they begin to do all this evaluating. They're looking around because they know someone has to do it because if there was no kids, if there was no servants, then here's what it said. Whoever was of the lowest social status in the room, it was their job to wash the feet. And not one of them wanted to admit they were the lowest. Not one of them wanted to leave their place of honor. Not one of them made the choice to serve. They all waited to be served. I think Jesus sat there probably looking around the room and his mind went back to those times that they were arguing about who was the greatest. And he's like, what is it going to take for these guys to to get this new model of what it looks like to be one of my followers? But isn't it that vibe in our culture where it's all about me? I want to be served. I want to be entertained. What can you do for me? my needs, my life is most important. You know, one of my least favorite things to hear somebody say is, especially in the church world and the ministry. That's not my job. Oh, that just wraps me up. It's not my job. Oh, really? So I didn't know Jesus said when he came to serve everyone, he said, Hey, I'll serve as long as it's not this. Cause if we're followers of Jesus, it's our job period to serve. I I, I tell her stuff, I said, listen, uh, if you're out walking the grounds, or if you're in here, you see something on uh, d- uh, garbage or something, pick it up. Don't say, "Oh, that's Casey. That's Tiffany's job. They're over that area of ministry." No, we're owners. This is our. We're here to serve. We're here to serve. When we have our new to the bar lunches, I tell our people, "Listen, we don't need any more owners or, or uh, any, any more members because membership implies privileges. We need owners—people that will take uh, responsibility of the place." That's what we need. And it's easy to fall in this mindset, though. Even as a pastor, I'm going to be very honest with you. I was working here at the church one Saturday trying to finish up some things, looking forward to going home and crashing. If you know me, man, people that really know me, they know don't ask PK to do anything on Saturday afternoon. He doesn't want to do anything. If he's there, it's not because he wants to. It's because his wife made him go. Uh, So... (laughs) Because I just want to go home and rest my mind and get ready for the next day. And, and I'm finishing up and I get a call from Denise. She says, Hey, uh, so and so just showed up on our doorstep. Somebody we haven't seen in a while. They're homeless, wanting to talk to you. I would love to say the first thing that came into my mind is, Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to serve. <laughs> but if I'm honest, like, I want to say, I, t- tell this guy that what. He got himself into this mess. Go back out in the woods. Be homeless for a few more days. Maybe I'll learn his lesson. That's what I want to say. And then God began to kick my butt. Like, is that Kelly? the way it is, Kelly? You only serve when it's convenient for you? You only serve when it fits into your schedule? When, when, when it's good for you? Is that the way this works? And after him kicking my butt, I was like, I repent, God, you know what? You're right. You're right. Went home, had about a two-hour conversation with this young man. He ended up staying at our house for three or four nights until we could get him into a place. And and here's the thing. I'm here to serve. Let me say this. This is something I've learned as a follower of Jesus, uh, period. Not as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, you don't get to serve on your terms. You don't get to serve on your terms. I know that's what we want to do when it's convenient for us, when it works for their schedule, when it's not too much of a hassle. Then I'll serve. And again, that comes from our culture that says it's all about us and our wants. But remember what Jesus said back in Mark 10. You are to lead by a different model. You want to be great? Serve others, even the Son of Man. Guys, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I am the new model. Let's get back to this story and close this thing out. So they're sitting there at this meal. The disciples sitting there, no one willing to step up and serve, no one willing to do a lowly job. Then this happens they see Jesus get up from the table, take off his outer clothing, and then take a towel and wrap it around him and get a basin of water. And the disciples are like, no, no. Not, Jesus, this is not your job. And even Peter says this when he sees it, he says, No, no, you you're not gonna wash my feet, Jesus. No. And and Jesus is like, hey, if I if I don't wash your feet, you can't have any part with me. And then Peter, as he does, starts running off at the mouth. Hold on, let's wash my feet, wash all of me. And Jesus like, hey, slow your roll. It's just feet today, uh, so let's stay with it. And, And that actually happened, but not in those words. But Peter's like, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You, above all people, shouldn't be doing this job. I mean, this is not a job for somebody like you. And they watched Jesus get down on his knees began to wash their feet. Get this. He washed Peter's feet, knowing Peter was going to deny him. He washed Judas' feet, knowing that Judas had already set out to betray him. When's the last time you served somebody that hurt you or did you wrong? Come on. It's hard for us to serve people we like. Jesus served them. Jesus said, I'm setting a new model. If you're going to be one of my followers, here's the posture you must take. That outer clothes that you think represents who you are, your status, take it off and pick up a towel. You want to be mine because here's the truth, guys. You never look more like Jesus than when you serve. Never. I'm going to close with illustration. Because some of y'all, y'all like, Kelly, what does that even mean to us on Sunday morning? I'm just going to give you an little illustration. And yes, this has happened before. And actually, something like this along these lines happens every week. This morning. Husband and wife pulled onto this church parking lot. Wife had been here a few times, but the husband had never been. This was his first time. Not much of a churchgoer, but he agreed to come. Before they ever pulled in, this lady was whispering a prayer to God. God, please let the greeters be on it today. God, let them be out front and friendly and to, to my husband. Let, let Let my husband meet some guys that he makes a connection with. And God, please let the nursery staff be on point today. Let them, Because I know my husband, if he goes back there and he doesn't feel comfortable, then he's going to end up holding the baby and just walking around the halls and he's going to miss what you have to say. Please let the nursery be on today. And God, WB kids, let let them be on today. Let my kids go down there. Let let it be on. And God, please let the music just strike that chord. Let the worship reach out and touch his heart like it's touched mine. Let the sound levels be right. Let, let the media person be on their game today where they're getting the words because my husband doesn't know these songs. And God, please don't let PK blow it today. Let him speak a message that goes directly to my husband's heart. Let someone go out of their way to just greet him and welcome, make him feel welcome. Let, the, let our kids come out of WB, kids thrilled about what they just experienced. Let my husband be touched by this service so that he'll want to come back again and his life can be changed and our marriage can be restored. Something like that happens here every week. What you do here matters. We need people to step and serve because it Matters, But P.K., is it really going to make that difference for me to serve once a month or every other week? One last illustration. You remember the story where Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish? Most theologians say that number, that was just 5,000 men, not including children and, and the wives. They say that number was actually somewhere between fourteen to 20,000 people that he fed. got nothing and then Andrew comes to Jesus and I love the way the message paraphrased it he brings this little boy and he says hey there's a little boy who has five barley loaves two fish but that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd this size understand this barley bread it was a poor man's bread it's what poor people eat when it says loaves don't think of our loaves one loaf was about like a biscuit so this guy had basically five small biscuits and two sardines. It was all that boy had, and I can't even imagine this little boy. Because what he had for lunch showed he was poor. He came from a poor family. I can't imagine thinking this is supposed to last me for a couple of days. But Jesus, if you want it, it's all I've got. Here you go. It's not much a drop in the bucket compared to this size here. The crowd. Here you go. You want it. My question to you, what's far? What do you have? What do you have to give? What abilities, talents, energy? What have you been allowing to sit on the shelf because you didn't think it, it, it mattered much and God saying, just give me what you have and see what I can do with it. What do you, What do you have to give? Do you have time? Do you have love, compassion, education, knowledge, strength, understanding, a certain skill? If you call, that's just if you'll get ready. If you call Watts Bar Church, your home, listen, we tell people you don't have to be a member here to belong. You don't have to be a member here to serve or anything like that. But if you call Watts Bar Church your home, you consider this your place, raise your hand and keep them up. Keep them up. Now I'm going to ask our ushers to hand you a piece of paper. Keep them up there. They're going to hand you a piece of paper. And I can guarantee you this. If you filled out one of these before and you say, Kelly, I was never contacted, I have been rode the staff hard. You may be contacted more than you won't. I have told them, I said, I want you to act like a college football recruiter. You go after them. You bring them to your house. Look at all you can have. Slide them 100. What is this? So I'm oh, here we go. Here's the thing. I told our staff and our leadership this week. We got... uh, Billy or Ben or one of you right over here. I said, I don't believe that a lot of our people, it's not that they don't want to serve. I believe they just haven't been asked or they don't think there's a place for them. I believe people want to serve. People want to make a difference. So we want to give the opportunity. Because here's the truth. God never asks us to give what we don't have. Do you hear me, church? He doesn't ask us to give what we don't have. But He demands that we give Him all that we do have and see what he can do with it. Jesus says, if you'll just give me all that you do have, watch what I can do. God doesn't expect us to have enough to feed 5,000 people. But God does expect us to take what we do have and place it in his hands. Pastors, me serving as an usher or a greeter, uh, is that going to make a difference? It will to those people that come into this place, that haven't seen a friendly face all week, that doesn't feel welcome anywhere else, that comes in here. Come on. Knowing it's a church, and for most of them that they know church means if they've got tatted, if they're tatted up, if they've got piercings everywhere, if they've got crazy hair, or if they're not dressed appropriately, they may not feel welcome. So yeah, to that person that you're shaking, welcome it makes a difference pastor is me serving in the media of the sound really going to make a difference it will to that person that's not familiar with our Christian worship songs but and they need the words is me serving in the nursery once a month really going to make an impact it will for that mom or dad that desperately needs an hour and a half to where it's just them and they're not having to to, to watch that baby or it made to that baby that, that doesn't get the nurturing that's going to take place in that nursery What about WB Kids? Well, it doesn't really matter. It matters to that kid that when they leave here on Sundays, they go back to a living hell. It matters to that kid that don't get the Bible read to them, don't hear worship songs played to them. It'll make a difference. What about the creative team? Oh, man, it makes a difference when people show up here expecting church to look like a monastery. And they walk in and they say, good Lord, this is church. Because we've got stuff hanging everywhere where our creative director, Candace, is just blown it out of the park another time. I know Candace was talking to her after the service today. She said, "She said Paul tells me, you know, Candace, you can take a break from it. And I said, it's just not in me. I'm a servant. It's just not in me to take a break. prayer team, does it really matter? It does for the people that walk through those doors. It does for the staff and leadership that every Sunday, 15 minutes before service that prayer team meets with us and prays with us. Andrews looked at the boy and he said here's a little boy with two fish and five loaves, but that's just a drop in the bucket. Mother Teresa said this and I have closed it we are doing is but a drop in the ocean. This may be only a drop, but the ocean would be less if it weren't there. What we do is something small, but we do it with big hearts. At death, we will not be judged by the amount of work we did, but by the amount of love we put into it. We do not strive for spectacular actions. What counts is the gift of yourself. The degree of love you put into each of your deeds. Do you want to be great? This is where we get the title. Pick up a broom and sweep the floor. Mother Teresa, one of the most recognized names in the world. And the way she got there was by serving. Serving. Not trying to make a name for herself. Just serving. Jesus says, here's the new model. I didn't come to be served come to serve and to lay down my life. Kelly, he was talking about the resurrection. Let me tell you how that applies to us. When I lay my life down when because I, I don't want to get up at 6 in the morning to be somewhere, be here at the church, I'm laying a little bit of my life down saying help. No, get up, Kelly. Get up. Our worship team every week when everybody else is sleeping in and our band is getting here at 6.30 and our, and our uh, singers are getting here at 715, they're giving of themselves when they get up and say, oh, Let's go. This matters. There's going to be people there that need this. Those greeters, those ushers that get here 30 minutes before service. Those nursery works that get here. I'm telling you, it's giving. What do you have to give? Come, I can shake your hand. Perfect. We got a place for you. Kelly can smile. Perfect. And here's the thing, the way we're starting to do stuff. We say, listen, shadow somebody for a couple weeks. Say, hey, I, I, can, I, can I just try this out before I commit to it? Absolutely. We'll set you up to come in and, and follow one of our greeters and ushers around. You say, this is not for me. We'll, we'll find you another place. You know, some of you don't even know, and this this is how good our security is. You don't even know we've got security people in here. That's how good they are. And they walk around this place while we're in here having church, making sure our kids are safe, making sure the nursery's safe. I'm telling you, it matters. It matters. Stand with me.